Bonjour, bonsoir, This is Melissa bringing you here at Melancholia Mood Podcast. Today's topic is going to be about our inner child. What questions that we ask ourselves every day that shifts our perception of today? So I went to good old Google and looked up questions and I actually listed out questions to ask your inner child. That's what I asked Google. And the first one that comes up, which is very interesting and I love, is as a child, I would daydream about dot, dot, dot. <laughs> as a Haitian, I was born in Haiti and I migrated to America, preferably Chicago at that time at my early age, um, when I was six years old. And when I was living in Haiti, what I daydreamed about was actually a mountain, believe it or not. I had this idea that over the this mountain that I would see in Haiti was this wonderful place that provides freedom, that provides happiness and no limitation on speaking one's mind and uh, creativity. That's all the things that I was dreaming about as a child. Now, my life in Haiti, from what I remember, during the time that I was six, now four to six years old, I remember being happy. I was always shy, I was always reserved, but I had my grandmother, I had my mother, I had my sister and my little brother, and yes, my father was there. But my wisdom or how wisdom was introduced to me was through my grandmother. She would tell me stories that I don't remember, but the feeling of her warmth will always be with me. And so those are the dreams that I would have. And she would sing, she would sing a particular song that motivated that daydream of mine. So the way that it goes is it's basically from like a Haitian church book, song book, I should say. Um, and it'll say something like, and I and I'm shy about my singing, but I, I have to share it. It goes. Basically, what it's saying is that, um, God, I want to go over this mountain. Is That's where I want to be, where it has peace and laughter and joy. And I always thought that her reality was my reality because we were sharing the same experience. As I got older, of course, uh, we moved to America. I learned the hardest way that, no, I didn't have a voice. No, I didn't have any kind of say-so. I could not speak my mind. I could not say no. I could only say yes, ma'am, no, sir. That was just the way that I was living in my grandparents' house temporarily. Now, moving forward, this is just my personal experience. I cannot generalize and group 
patients all together and say, this is a mutual experience. I cannot do that. Everyone has their different paths and their different journeys. But what I've learned is that when I do get the blessing to bear children, everything that I've experienced as a child, I will try my hardest never to repeat again. Because when moving to America, the air was different. It's it's felt different. It smelled different. The people looked different. It was a total culture shock. I and my family of four or five, I should say, including my father, I was the first one that spoke English. So I moved to America with my little brother, three years old, and my two oldest sisters who were half siblings from another woman. And I didn't really know them. They didn't really like me. I was the redheaded stepchild, or I should say black sheep of the family, because I was a firstborn that broke their home. Now, this, this dynamic is important, as it is when you are six years old without your mother, with no one to really truly speak. And you don't know the, the the rules and the guides of this foreign land, but it is made to believe that you should already know. So I was having a hard time finding balance in this new home. I had all these cousins that just totally look different from what I'm used to. And they were meaner, they were bigger than me. I, I mean, the most, traumatic experience that I remember, one of them is that I was, this is Chicago. So I was in the basement. I was with my little brother or my brother was being cared by my dad, but I was by myself with these two new older siblings and all these cousins and grandpa and grandma. And of course, children went downstairs to play. And I was very quiet, but I would cry if I felt uncomfortable because I wanted my mom. And that's the one thing I kept on crying for. I want my mom. I want my grandma. I want my mom. And I want my grandma. And I remember one of my cousins coming to me and and was like, uh, this is something in English, which I understood. And I don't know how I understood, but I I got it. (laughs) And she's like, you know, nobody's going to come in here and save you. So they're all making fun of me. And the and the biggest one, the tallest one, decided to sit on me. Mind you, I am six years old. I felt like I was gonna die and suffocate. And they were so tired of me crying, I started screaming. And my grandfather came down, so he said, hey, you guys, leave her alone. Like, if I have to come back here, everyone's getting in trouble. And he, didn't, he went upstairs. He didn't come and stop and grab me to come along with him, he just, decided that, hey, this is, it's fine. So that same big, tall cousin came to me and was like, grabbed me, like pushed me on the ground, grabbed me by my foot and hung me upside down. And to this day, I hate the feeling of feeling suffocated. It's like a deep fear for me. And for the longest time, I could not remember why. Like if you give me too much of a tight hug, I feel like I can't breathe. So that's what I came from. So the reason why I'm telling you this story because it's important. It 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 kind of created this whole idea in my head about I feel so unsafe right now. Why am I all by myself? 
If I say the wrong thing at the wrong time, I will only end up hurting myself. How can I afford to live without feeling much pain? The second traumatic experience that I remember feeling as a child, mind you, this is just my perception at the time, or or I should say my experience of the time of how I was going to survive in a place like this. And I remember the second traumatic experience that I had was when I was, it was getting cold. It was the first time that I've experienced cold like that. And we were pushed outside to go play. And I had this male cousin who's like, yeah, let's go play. Like, come with me and, you know, I'll I'll make sure they're not mean to you. So we go outside and um, there's a park right across the street from the house. And I'm playing in the swing and he, and, you know, they come around and they, they kind of push me around and I'm staying quiet and just looking at them. And they grab my earrings, they grab my necklace, they stole. Like, I mean, when you're Haitian and you're born, the first gift that you're provided to as a child is some gold earrings and some gold necklace and even some gold bracelets. And they took my necklace and they took my earrings from me. Mind you, this is something that my mother gifted me. So it meant the, the world to me. It was my only connection that I had with her. And during that day, I was outside. My oldest male cousin, and he was probably his like early teenage years, so I'll say 11, 12, 13, or 14, he decided to pull up my dress to try to look under my dress. And I started freaking out because like, why? In doing so, I started screaming. That was just my signature thing to do was scream and, and as loud as I can and cry as loud as I can. And by doing so, they decided to all abandon me. And I'm just sitting here at the park by myself. Everyone walked away and did their own thing. And I was left until dark. I mean, it was dark. They had to come out and look for me because nobody wanted me to be there. And I didn't even want to be there. All that to say, now as an adult, there's more to the story. As, as, it, as we'll progress, you'll get to see a bigger side. But there's more ways that this done harm to me. The fact that I'm in a foreign land, I'm supposed to be surrounded by people that want to protect me and to provide guidance to me. And all they did was exercise me and made me feel worthless, made me feel like I did not belong and I was not here. I was, you're not needed here. And I remember finally finding this fire within me because I was so angry and I wanted to go home. And how could I get myself home the fastest way possible? And I believe the way that I could have done it is by rebelling. And this is a trait that unfortunately I carry throughout my life, but that rebellious, it have kept me alive in more ways than I can count for. And I'm somewhat grateful for it. So when the children would try to hurt me, I would scream at them. 
insults and foul language. I was saying things like get maman ou led ou bet basically translate to the unkind F word to your mother. You're ugly, you're a beast, you're a monster. I mean, I remember as a child when I was asleep, <laughs> six years old sleeping, I've always snored. It's just part of who I am. And I remember being waking up with like socks stuffed in my mouth just so that they could shut me up. I remember I used to be punished for providing insults and bad language to the people that were hurting me. And they, they were washing my mouth out with soap and says, do you want to go back to Haiti? Do you really want to go back to starving? And I just think to myself, yes, I want to go back home. I want to go back to what is normal to me. I don't belong here. That word right there has followed me everywhere. I don't belong here is how I felt as a young child. I even feel as that. I even feel like that as an adult, that I do not belong in a place where I'm supposed to find peace. I don't belong, okay? And I, I used to think to myself, that song, and, and mind you, I was six years old. It was the last time I seen my grandmother, and it's the last time I seen my mother. Uh, and I still remember that song she was to sing to me. And I said, and I'm thinking to myself, I am over that mountain. I am in the land that's supposed to provide me joy and peace. But this is my experience. And I started to fight with the feeling of religion at a young age. I didn't pray to anybody. I prayed to myself. That was the beginning of the real freedom that I was looking for. Because I realized that, you know, my parents can't save me because I'm here by myself with these strangers that are supposed to be my family. But I feel much more of like an outsider. Moving forward, I left that my grandpa's home because he didn't want me. I was causing too much trouble. And I got sent to my father and the other side of Chicago. Actually, I'm lying. I have to go back. I moved with my other aunt and with that same older male cousin. And in that home, I would sleep underneath their dining room table. Now I'm grateful for my experience. I'm grateful that someone said, you know what, I'll take her. But that's just all I've experienced in my life. You know what, I'll take her. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to provide her love, support, and guidance. It just means that I will provide a roof over her head and a, and, and a food for her stomach. I think that should suffice. Now... I am going on seven and I write letters to my mother that she'll never see. I did receive a letter from my mother or from my father, from my mother. 
and it was beautiful. It was a handmade card. It had some type of like uh, weaved thing on it. And I treasured it. I used to keep my personal items in a bin. And I remember my older male cousin came and he, wow, um, he ripped up my letter and I was furious. I was doing really good in school, but that shifted my perspective of everything. And that moment I decided to be silent. I decided to be in a different world in my own head. I I wanted so badly to escape, but I know that I couldn't because I'm small. And so with that being said, I remember not wanting to do anything anymore. I didn't want to exist. So I would go to school and daydream. I would be so intrigued by the books, the language, the the other little kids that didn't look nothing like me whatsoever. And I would come home and wanting to just sleep or just to sit on the couch and just like stare out of the window. And my aunt was very, um, she was concerned and she was very like, hey, school comes first. You have to learn, like you have to learn. And I was like, okay, I didn't want to do it. That rebellion again, how can I get myself out of this situation? I don't want to be here. I feel unsafe. So she did the thing that is usually normal. I've experienced in Haiti where the adults will beat you in school. I didn't really get, I did did not get beaten at home. Trust me, I did not. Um, But I did in school. And so when I was home and she was like forcing me to do my homework, I was like, I don't want to do this. And she's like, you know, come on, this, you have to. I'm like, no, I, I'm not doing it. And I started screaming. So she took her sandal and she was hitting me. Like she pulled out my arms, she was hitting me. So she was hitting me on my um, forearm near my wrist and it left bruise. So I went to school and the teachers asked, What's what's going on with your what's going on with your arm? Uh, what's this mark here? And I'm like, oh, my my aunt hit me. She's like, oh, she hit you? Why? I'm like, because I didn't want to do my homework. She's like, does she always do that? I'm like, oh, she beats me sometimes. That was the beginning <laughs> of the end for me <laughs> in Chicago. Police were involved. Uh, she had her own child who was at that time in middle school, heading into high school. So she was concerned. I mean, why would a six-year-old who's used to getting beaten in school and who had no idea that I could not tell that I was getting, you know, reprimanded for my attitude and my behavior at home? I didn't know I was not allowed to do that. But so I just was honest because I was a child and honesty is the best policy. There's no reason for me to filter the truth. 
I had no fear of the strangers outside my home. The fear was living in the home. So, I mean, you guess what happened next? I vacated the home because police got involved and I moved in with my father. My father was upset. He was angry. He could tell in his face. He's like, you're ruining this for me. And he wouldn't talk to me after I came to his care. I felt like I was supposed to feel free, but he just looked at me like, really? You're, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, what did I, I was so confused. I'm like, what did I do? Long story short, a few months passed and I went ahead and my dad took me, sent me to Haiti with my little brother who was three at the time. We got sent back to Haiti and I got home and I was so happy. But I remember as soon as I got home, my dad was, I should say my father, my father came after speaking to my mom, came through with a belt and says, you have caused me so much trouble. You know how hard it was to get you into America? You ruined my life. Remember, he said, you ruined my life. From that moment, he took that belt and he started swinging, honey. And I've never experienced anything like that because my grandmother never hit me. My mother never hit me. Nobody has ever abused me in that way, unless it's like school. But like, that was like one, two, three. But he was going, going, and going. And I remember my sister coming in, like my oldest sister uh, from my mom's side. And she was like, what's going on here? And I know she was holding this like, this pot, it had like a handle. And I remember running to her cause I was, she was the only one who voiced concern for me. I remember I was crying so hard, I was shaking. And I remember her, the spilling of the content in the, in the, um, the pot. And that was the moment that I decided to divorce my father. Like he was no longer a savior. Cause I was a daddy's girl and he was no longer a savior. He was no longer a peace. He was no longer my security. And I was there to fend for myself because my mother was deathly in love with that man. And he could do no wrong. And as the story progresses, you'll see that it's even worse. (laughs) All that to say is that the 10 questions exercise to help discover your inner inner child per Google is as a child, I would daydream about, I would daydream about going over a mountain to find joy and peace like my grandmother would sing. But all I've experienced was heartache. My favorite activity as a child was to daydream. I created this bubble for myself and I was going to exist in it. I was going to live in it by myself if I had to. When I grew up, I always wanted to be, I always wanted to be an adult to control my own future, to control my own destiny because I know as a child, I had no control over it. It was just what I was given. So I'll be stronger as an adult, but (laughs) different spin on that now.
um, what is the other question here? My favorite school subject as a child was history. I was in love with history. I just loved hearing other people's stories and how they were accounted. When my childhood friends, with my childhood friends, I would love to, as a kid, I, I didn't really have a friend. I always looked over and to see the children who were by themselves and I would naturally gravitate towards them because I wanted to be someone's protector so bad. And this has affected my relationship as an adult as well. <laughs> I guess I never grew out of that, unfortunately. With or as a child, I always wondered about, I always wondered if the pain will ever go away. And when I say pain, I mean like the feeling of dread, the feeling of losing constant control. If I will ever find the love of my life, because I was, you will see in the future, searching for daddy, the right type of daddies, but you know, I'm just realizing now that you find peace within yourself because others may only bring you chaos and you have no control over that. You can only control yourself. That's what I'm learning now at the age of 28. So I think my early years of childhood have taught me that I cannot count on anybody but myself. And at that moment of my of my life, the only way that I could count on myself was to be silent. I suffocated the hell out of that bird. I wanted to get out of the cage that I was in. I wanted so bad to have freedom, but at what cost? I realized that it is best to watch to be able to learn because at the end of it, no one comes to save you. It's best to understand your enemies than to force them to understand you. That way you could, you know, act accordingly and take the necessary steps to Protect yourself. I've spent since six years old creating this whole magnificent wall around myself. Like you could never get too close. Even so, I didn't, I never stopped giving love. I've never stopped believing that peace was around the corner. Love, true, unconditional love is around the corner. That was my hope, my dream, my aspiration. Till this day, I try my hardest, <laughs> my hardest to achieve it. So, I ask you this question, 
how do you connect with your inner child, with your childhood experiences, your trauma? What are the questions that you ask yourself? And most importantly, as a child, what would you daydream about? Did you get to achieve it? Did you get a better understanding of the situation? Are you comfortable talking about it? And most importantly, are you okay? Because if you're not, just know that you are absolutely not alone. And we got this. I promise you, we got this. Thank you so much for joining me here at Melancholia Mood. I am your host, Melissa. I'm a poet, an artist, and a feeler of my own human experience. And I'll see you the next time. Thank you.